Now, some of us, and I know not all of us, and for those of you who this doesn't apply to, you just probably make fun of people like me, but for some of us, we grew up hating equations. It seemed as as you, you kept going, you got further in, the equations got longer and more difficult, and they put more numbers in there, they put letters in there, then they put letters from other languages in there, and they had dots and lines, and it took more pieces of paper to figure out these equations. I hated it. What I think I hated the most, though, was something that I heard from more than one and more than two instructors. They would say, you know what? I don't care about your answer. I just want to see how you got there. You don't want my answer. Why am I even here? I want to show you my answer. You tell me if it's right or wrong. We can move on, right? Of course, we know there's something to that, that in this equation uh, figuring out, there is something about the process of finding the answer. And they want to look at the process because maybe in the process, maybe you forgot to add something in correctly. Or maybe you forgot a certain principle about how something was supposed to work and that made your answer wrong. But we're looking at how you got there because maybe you forgot something in your equation. Now, I'm convinced that many of us in the church have forgotten something in another equation. That is important for us. As we've already said, we, we last several weeks, we've talked about this, this idea of what it means to love God, what it means to love our neighbors. And, and we talked about that, that, that relationship, right, that to love God means to love our neighbors. And to love our neighbors means to start with loving God. And, and we figured out that those two things are very important part of this love equation of God, but they are not the only two parts. We should ask what it means to love ourselves as well. We need to see where do we fit into that equation of God loving God's people and God's people loving God's people as well. Now, for some of us, this is hard to do because we've been taught all our lives that we should be humble in the sight of God. And we've heard sermon after sermon, you know, it's not good to look out for numero uno, and you should be about other people. And and certainly humility is a big part of our relationship with each other, our relationship with God. And even when we think about how we feel about ourselves, certainly humility needs to be accounted for. But there is something about loving ourselves that is important. Something about recognizing who we are. And like that great adage suggests, whose we are as well. Now, why is it important? You say, well, why do I need to worry about loving me? Well, a couple of reasons. One, everybody else should be doing it too. You see, we all have the, the, the charge to love your neighbor, and you are somebody's neighbor. So somebody else should be loving you. That sounded like a bad country song, didn't it? But as somebody else's neighbor, somebody should be demonstrating God's love to you already. Somebody should be forgiving you. Somebody should be encouraging you. Somebody should be somewhere down the road be willing to demonstrate to you that you are loved by God. 
And if they can show you forgiveness, and if they can find enough energy and faith to try to love you, why can't we as well? It's very apparent as you read through this volume of books here that God loves us. And if God could love us, why can't we do the same? Now, most of you know that I am ready to critique this uh, sort of tendency for us to, to put ourselves at the center of our faith and the center of our life and the center of our church. And some of you have heard me just go on and on about that, how important it is to think about community and how we live in community. So much of this is about community, about how we live together. So much of the promises and the hope is we're given to communities. And even the charges and the corrections were given to communities. And so it isn't enough to think about just me, 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 and how does this affect me. However, it is important to realize where we fit into that community. So God tells the people from Isaiah, people, they've been through all this turmoil, they've been in exile, and they think, God has forsaken me, God has forgotten us. They are speaking as a people, and God says, I haven't forgotten you at all. You are right here. It's important for us to realize that within that community of people, the individuals who cared and loved for God the same way there are today. When God gives us the same promise of being on the palms and never forgotten, we are a people made up of individual people who love and serve God. So we can try to learn to love ourselves because others should be doing it, and we know that God does it as well. But still, it feels kind of uncomfortable sometimes because we think, well, I don't want to get too proud. I don't want to think too much of myself, but, but I'm going to demonstrate to you how I think this equation balances itself out somewhat as we continue to work at it. Just like with loving our neighbors, the first thing that we have to realize when we talk about love for ourselves is that it has to stem from a love, the love that God has for us. The reason why we are worth loving is because God made us worth loving. Why do I love me? Because God thinks I'm worth it. That's why. I can remember coming out of that fifth grade assembly. I don't remember anything the speaker said. I don't remember if it was a man or a woman. I don't remember if it was a circus act. All I remember is walking out of that assembly when I was in fifth grade. They handed out a little blue piece of paper, little cheap clip art on it that says, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. Why do I love me? Because God thinks I'm worth it. I am a part of this creation that God called good. I am worth it. The second thing we realize when we talk about this love for ourselves is that it is directly related to, at least as far as Jesus is understanding, it is directly related to a trust of God as well begins with God's love, and involves a trust of God. Listen to Jesus in these words again. I know you heard me the first time, but when he says, look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They 
that neither toil nor spin. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? That is a God who loves and a God who provides. And we should be a people that trusts in that love and in that provision. What we realize as well is that we don't, if we don't have this non this love for ourselves, if we have actually a non-love for ourselves, that really sets us up. We, we, we begin to try to fill in that love with other things. It leads us to other behaviors. It leads us to other things where we're just trying to find something worth loving, try to find something worth being lovable for. When God has already said, I love you right now. And it's in that time when we search and we search, oftentimes it leads us to things that are not of God, things that don't represent God's love. Talking about country songs, looking for love in all the wrong places. When it's God who said, you've been here all along. I love you. I remember and I care for. And when we can get that into our being, when we can learn to trust into that, we can understand more what it means to love ourselves the way God wants us to. Now usually we talk about, maybe you have, we say, man, I went out and I did this for myself. I deserved it. Whatever it was, right? Maybe it was a nice massage. Hmm? Maybe it was a nice petty, right? Anybody ever done that for themselves? Or am I the only one? I'm teasing. I'm <laughs> but we talk about doing these things for us because it's a way that we can sort of do something for us. Maybe because nobody else has done anything for us. Or I don't want to be forgotten about. And that's all fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything against those things. But I think Jesus is showing us how to really live into that love that we have for ourselves. And it's in a way that maybe we don't realize. It's important to realize how Jesus starts this whole passage off. We we like to think about the birds in the air and the lilies of the field and not worrying because God provides. But you have to realize how that begins off. It says no one can serve Two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The reason why we know that's really important because in the reading, the very next word is therefore. And whenever you're reading through this text and you see a word like therefore, what you need to do is put the brakes on and go back up a little bit and reread what you just saw. Because that means that's key to something. And Christ says you can't serve God and wealth. And understand, I don't think we're just talking about money. I'm not just talking about having more money, but it's this idea of what we are seeking and what we are searching after. Christ says you cannot serve wealth and God. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not, and I'm going to put words in Jesus' mouth, do not mistrust God. 
because God will provide. But you know how we are. We, we want to seek other things. We want to seek our comfort. We want to seek our own security. We want to make sure that we do what we got to do to make sure things go the way we need them or want them to go. And certainly, please don't misunderstand me. Nothing wrong with planning, nothing wrong with trying to be safe and all those kinds of things. But when it overrides and just runs through our trust in God, what does it leave us with? I know many pastors, and I hate making this kind of call, but I just get the feeling that they're more devoted and they're more concerned with the pension of Jesus than they are with the passion of Jesus. And if you see that from the pastoral perspective, and you see pastors doing that, don't you know there's people in the pews doing the same thing? When God says, I will provide those things. Jesus never said these things were wrong. Having food and having clothing, having security, never said these things were wrong. In fact, says, God knows you need them. But, What do we seek first? I feel like I was fortunate very early as I'm getting into this black dress stuff. I met people that really helped me out in, in ways that I don't think they realize. Me growing up, I'm thinking about how I can make it in the world and how I can make it good. I like the big houses, y'all. I like the pretty cars, and I like the big TVs. And I'm going to figure out how I'm going to get me one or two or three. And very early on, I've had, some, I had people in my life who were able to gather some of those things. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to hang around you a little more. You'll show me how to get it, won't you? And I remember the same message being from different people. And essentially, come down to this. You know, I've, I've spent my, a lifetime accumulating these things, and they have done nothing for who I am as a person. Oh, man. Golly, just messed up that equation for me. Got to bring out the eraser. Got to start all over, because maybe God is showing us something different. That we can try to get all that stuff and we can search and we can serve that. But it most likely will put us in the same spot it has left many other people. See, when we talk about loving ourselves, what we realize is the way we love ourselves is by making our life count. And we can't do that trying to serve wealth. We do that by serving God. A way we love ourselves, one commentator put it, is by putting forward energy into things that give more meaning to life. Forgiveness over years means something. Time and energy and effort. Reconciliation does something over time. Service does something for many people. And wealth can't always do those kinds of things. Putting energy into things that give more meaning to life. And as we do this, 
as we figured this part out, and we love ourselves by making sure our life means something, in the process, we realize that we are loving God. And we realize that we are loving each other as well. And that there will always be something incomplete in our equation of love if we don't remember that God loves us. We love God, we love each other, and we love ourselves as well. Thanks be to God.